ti. Yeah, when that robot voice pops in, you know it's time to begin. And wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to ELC. Especially if you are one of our geeks in sneaks using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run. Hey, maybe you're lounging by the pool. Got the little earbuds in, checking out a little DLC. Oh, we're going to be with you in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes of gaming goodness because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be. And that is completely free thanks to our patrons at patreon.com slash dlc pod they bring the show to you and in exchange they get some cool stuff including completely ad free episodes video versions of the show although not this week and a entire bonus show which we call paid dlc it is tons of fun wildly disorganized completely off the cuff Mostly nonsense, but very enjoyable. And it features myself, Christian Spicer, our friend, Lana Bashinsky. But also, for the next three weeks, Christian's out. So we're going to have a special guest joining Lana and myself. That is Danish Syed, friend of the show. Oh, it's going to be good. It's going to be fun. You can be part of it by donating to the show, making sure we continue at patreon.com slash dlc pod dlc of course the show all about games and their many forms games played on desktops laptops and consoles also games that involve dice luck and cardboard i'm your host jeff canada that's spelled with two n's and one t and i am joined usually by christian spicer but as i said he's gallivanting all across the country having a having himself a summer having a summer uh while i sit here and toil away in his absence but don't worry because this week dlc stands for don't long for christian because we have not one but two awesome guests this week you know her you love her lana bashinsky is back with us hey lana hi i am so pumped to be here on the normal show i love the wednesday show it is the great time and for real if you are not tuning in and you are looking forward to possibly almost certainly Jeff Kanata getting just roasted by Danish and I for stopping playing Outer Wilds when both of us really want to keep playing Outer Wilds you should check that out Uh-oh. but we do talk about uh uh video games I'd say less deliberately less deliberately than we do on this show and so I'm really excited to be here chat some video games with y'all I I am very excited as well. We're going to put up new quick question prompts for for the Danish episodes uh, in the Patreon. So if you are a patron, keep an eye out for those. Uh, Lenny, you are uh, you're traveling right now too. You're up in the the Great White North, in my understanding. I, I am. Um, one of my very best and closest friends became a doctor this week. Wow. She just uh, she absolutely aced her defense of her, her dissertation. And I got to witness it live on Zoom. And all of her peers said it was like the best dissertation they've ever read. And everybody, I was, well, I was crying at least. I was just bawling. I was so proud of her. So I came up to surprise her and say congratulations. That's amazing. What a cool thing. I didn't yeah. know you could watch people's dissertations. That's incredible. You get, uh, they get like limited invitations. So I was like oh. one of the very select list of, of oh. people to try to parse the dense material for several hours, but it was great. That's amazing. Very cool. Also joining us, ladies and gentlemen, 
from even farther uh, afield, farther away from, well, from me, uh, <laughs> <laughs> joining us from Finland, our friend, Patrick Beja. Hello, Patrick. Hey, uh, so glad to be here and quite literally in the middle of the uh, field. So uh, it's uh, doubly appropriate. <laughs> you're not I, I, far afield. You're right in the field. Yes, right in the middle of it. I live <laughs> in the countryside. And uh, so I was told I was going to be second chair. Um, yes. And so I, I replace Christian, uh, uh-huh. which I'm sure is going to upset a lot of people. But you do not get the Spice Man today. You get the Frenchman. Uh-huh. We can talk about video games uh, with a lovely French accent. <laughs> <laughs> So well, Lana is in French speaking country right now. You're you're in uh, French speaker. I'm just I'm surrounded. I am um, outnumbered. It's I love it. It's amazing. That's how we uh, do it. But I'll I'll explain what happened too. I I reached out to Patrick and I said, uh, you know, Christian's going to be out. I'd love, you know, you you've been on the show a bunch of times. Uh you're an amazing podcaster. We love you. You know the show. I'd love for you to be a uh, second chair replace Christian. And uh I just said, uh, awesome. Yes, I'm I'm in. And I said, that's great. I said, do you have any requests for somebody to uh to be the guest on the show. And, and Patrick said, well, what about Lana Vashinsky? And I said, well, now, now I've got two second chairs. I believe the way I said it was the only person I will agree to do the show with is <laughs> Lana Vashinsky. If she's not available, which I could understand, she's a very important person. Maybe Phil Spencer, maybe. Um, <laughs> as a, you know, That option. is the greatest compliment I've ever received in my life. I love Philly Spencer. Benny, and that's his, uh, my, my heart is full. Uh, but I am looking forward to the like physical brawl that we'll have later for the true second chair. <laughs> well, uh, just, as long as it's not uh, in any game that you can, well, you can play all the games. So let's do it uh, in, I was going to say, let's do it by speaking French, but you also speak French. I speak, you can't do, Lana. I speak like, like, like 2% of French. Be like, un ah, French, and you'll be, right? Un, un oh, definitely. You nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs> uh, I'm, I just want to... Uh, Take a second, though, and apologize to Phil Spencer for canceling on him because uh, (laughs) (laughs) sorry, Phil. We'll get you on at some point. I'm sorry. You just, you know, you get, you get, you get, you get ousted. All right, Uh, enough (laughs) nonsense. Let's get into the show and start the way we always do with story of the week. Story of the week. It's the story of the week. Story of the week. It's the story. Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. You can also send comments or questions, your own reviews, if you'd like to hear those on the show, whatever. We'd love hearing from you at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. You can also participate in one of our awesome communities. We have folks on the Discord at 5x5DLC. On Discord, a great, great place. I hang out there constantly. Uh, really fun folks talking about all kinds of stuff. Also, the subreddit, which is 5x5dlc.reddit.com. Two wonderful communities. You can submit stories. You can just hang out. Urge you to take part. But Patrick, I'm going to let you start this week. What is your story of the week? It's slim pickings uh, this week. It's not a lot happening. I mean, you have a few stories in the lineup. Um, but are, I don't want to, you know, disparage your, your selection here. None of them is super exciting, are mm. they? 
Well, um, you know, it's summer. Things are uh, yeah. things are a little little less. Uh, there's less fireworks. We're kind of in the post summer of games uh, period here. So yeah, I, I guess yeah, I guess I still understand. But but there there are still some things, and uh, one of the ones that uh, kind of caught my eye because of the potential, not really the story itself, is Nintendo buying an animation studio, mm-hmm. which really surprised me. Um, it's a studio called. Dynamo Pictures, uh, which mm-hmm. is a studio they've worked with before, it specializes in CG animation and motion capture. I'm not certain they will make a lot of use of motion capture, but maybe. Um, and and they just outright bought them. They've done a few things related to their Japanese studio, um, and they've done things related to video games. They've worked with Nintendo, as I said, in a small project. Um, but I'm I'm really excited to find out what they're going to do with it because it could be the seed or maybe even uh, uh, the, the the plan with that studio to start expanding beyond uh, video games in entertainment. Um, famously, was it Reed Hastings from Netflix who said we're not competing with other streaming services, although he might be eating those words now but yeah, we're not competing now. with other streaming services we're competing essentially with Fortnite. what he meant was uh we're competing with entertainment as a whole and for people's free time so it's really interesting to see nintendo potentially um going into animation and uh you know like series and maybe movies doing them the, themselves very curious if this is like a small thing they're going to use for, I don't know, reinforcing their CG animation team for their games and they're going to dismantle the studio, though that's not what they're saying. Or if they're like, okay, we need to get into, we, we have very strong IPs, we could do a series ourselves or, you know, movies or something like that. So I'm curious about the potential there. Right. Yeah. This is a, a Polygon article that we uh, were referencing here talking about the acquisition. And uh, the Polygon article seems to well makes the comparison of uh, uh, you know of of Sony getting bigger into having their own production company and making you know not only the Uncharted movie but Last of Us and, and Twisted Metal and all these uh, projects we know that are coming to television and the big screen uh, and we know that the Super Mario Brothers movie is happening famously you know Chris Pratt doing the voice uh, but perhaps this is an indication that Nintendo is going to be doing a similar thing to Sony and trying to create more internal uh, projects, uh, you know, transmedia projects. But I don't know if I'm convinced of that. I mean, obviously, uh, Dynamo Pictures um, has worked on TV projects. Uh, they they call out Yuri on Ice, which is not something I have seen, but is a television project. Uh, but they've also worked on games. Uh, Near Replicant version 1.22474487139. And uh, Death Stranding. You know, I don't remember the cutscenes from Near Replicant version 1.22474487139, but I remember when I was playing Near Replicant version 1.22474487139. I, um, it's just ridiculous. I'm just pointing out how ridiculous it is. Anyway, the point I'm trying to make is, uh, and you did bring this up, Patrick, is this may just be like, hey, we, we want somebody to internally to work on our cutscenes, you know, for the next Mario game or, or whatever, you know, the next intro yeah. cinematic for 
uh, Mario Tennis, whatever it is. Yeah, that's that's a possibility. What they're saying specifically is they want to uh, strengthen the planning and production structure of visual content in the Nintendo group, which is in- extremely vague. And they're also saying we want to focus on developing visual content utilizing Nintendo IP. Again, that's not very precise, but it doesn't strike me as we want to only use them for CG movies in our games. Vis- developing visual content utilizing Nintendo IP uh, sounds to me like expanding Nintendo IP into, you know, audiovisual. But right, right. Yeah, it could not. Yeah, be. it may very well be. Lana, what do you make of this? I mean, uh, you obviously work uh, in animation and. Uh, <laughs> I would I would assume that Nintendo doing stuff in house. Let's say that you know that is what this indicates that they're kind of work got to expand and do more TV shows, more animated films, etc. Do you think that's better than sort of outsourcing to Hollywood and and doing the you know what they're doing with Super Mario Brothers and what the Sonic the Hedgehog films have done? Uh, do you think it's better to sort of keep it in house? Well, I'm so excited that you brought up the story. And I, I always think it's very funny to see, you know, one person's trash is another person's treasure because this is definitely my story of the week. Um, I think if you're doing enough of that work and seeing movies like Sonic like take off in a big way and maybe having this relationship with Hollywood working on the Mario movie and being like, okay, look at the cost of that. But then also saying, oh, we really wanted to do that for like all of our IPs. You know, we wanted the Zelda one. We wanted the next big Pokemon one. Or we wanted to continue doing short films uh, for the YouTube. The Kirby movie trilogy. Exactly. <laughs> if you're looking at all of your IP and saying, we want to start translating all of this, I think that would get really expensive. And so starting sort of your beginnings of this and being like, we know that this is what we want to take for our future. It makes sense to make a, like a purchase like this. Um, I do think it's funny that like the things that are referenced in that article are near and death stranding because they are like more realistic mm. style games. And yeah. I think that the, the pieces that I would look at is like, I mean, I guess they have so many properties I'm sort of going back and forth. When I see this purchase, uh, this this sort of acquisition that they're they're making, I think of some of the YouTube content that Nintendo's put out. Um, specifically through Pokemon, there was like a couple Pokemon short films that came out that were. I'm really excited about it because they, they have like a quirky sense of comedy mm. that I really appreciate. And and maybe in their relationship with Hollywood, they haven't been able to sort of like. I, I wonder if they'll be able to sort of stick the landing on some of that that quirkiness. I see it in the uh, the Mario soccer cutscenes, like when somebody gets scored on. I haven't played the game, but I've seen all the cutscenes of how the different characters react when they're winning or losing. Like shy guy, just like questioning his life. They like just made <laughs> that choice to have the slow pan around him of just staring into the distance and then sighing and looking down. It's like so sad and so funny. Uh, the Pokemon uh, short Badoof's Big Stand that they did, I think they hired Tyco Studios to do that, is so funny, very charming, amazing animation. And if that's the kind of thing they want to keep going forward with, I'm like, definitely buy the studio, make more of it. It is awesome. I want to see that voice um, and the sort of like the silliness and the charmingness that they have in some of these games brought in the way that they feel is more authentic, most authentic to the work that they are, they want to do. Yeah. Yeah. And the article references the fact that Dynamo Pictures actually has worked with Nintendo in the past 
on Pikmin shorts. Mm-hmm. I have not seen those, nor did I know they existed. Yeah. I don't know I if either of you have seen them. It, no. it might be a thing that's uh, that they only release in Japan or right. something like that. Yeah. Um, but I think it's it, we. It might be as simple as uh, they're seeing what Disney is doing with Marvel, for example, mm-hmm. and and they're saying, you know, I don't know if you've seen them, but there are a lot of uh, con- there's a lot of content for Marvel characters directed at kids, like at small kids from yeah. three and up. Yeah. Um, and and I think. Nintendo could be seeing this and thinking there's no reason they wouldn't watch a Mario show. Right. And then, you know, kind of intertwine in their areas of entertainment, that and the games. And when the kids, instead of watching I Am Groot and then be gravitating towards Guardians of the Galaxy, they could watch the Mario show and gravitate towards the Mario games. Well, I think I mean, it's. I did it when I was a kid. Swing exactly. your arms from side to side. Come on, it's time to go. It's a Mario. You know that there was a Mario cartoon when I was a kid. Yeah. I watched the crap out of it. Yeah, yeah. I uh, so I think f- they might be expanding this. Uh, fun fact: uh, my brother's actually the director for uh, Spidey, and one of the directors in Spidey and his amazing friends. Really? So, oh my yeah. god! Really? Oh, my kids love that show. Yeah, check it out, Darren Brzezinski and those creds, yeah. baby. Wow! Oh, incredible! Mm. I, I would love to love that show. The problem is, my <laughs> son is so scared of everything that uh, we started watching the first episode, and when Rhino uh, showed up to rob the bank. Uh, my, he was like, he got up and he was like, oh no, dad, I don't want to watch this. And I was like, he's a, like, he looks like a doll. He's just <laughs> doing like, I'm taking the money. <laughs> what, like, I was very disappointed. Whoa, whoa, calm down. Patrick, you're scaring me right now. <laughs> <laughs> but it was very an- well animated as my child was slowly backing away from this frightening TV. So. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, my son loves loves my daughter too. They they both watch uh, watch a lot of that. That's amazing. Well, please yeah. uh, send send our kudos to your brother. That's yes. really cool. I shall. Uh, all right, so that's Dynamo Pictures. Um, you may know them from Near Replicant Version One Point Two Two Four Seven Four Four Eight Seven One Three Nine. I was wondering if you do the last one, but yeah. you know, as far as numbers go, they really roll off the tongue. They they sure do. It's just they a sure. loose and, string and, of numbers. It really flows and tons of meaning. You know, just really <laughs> well that, that you don't know. It might be incredibly meaningful to the story. Yeah, um, and you're gonna probably get a lot of emails of angry oh, near sure fans of which they are. There are it's amazing. yeah the the near fans. Yeah, they're not vocal or anything. Oh, man, if Lost <laughs> made one thing clear, people love. Love random strings of numbers. Mm-hmm. They love it. Oh yeah, the num- they I, call them number heads. There they call them. You know, number heads. <laughs> Thank you. You're, you're, like you're, you're, you just applied to join the club, essentially with that, yeah. uh, <laughs> that display. Uh, I'm one of the only persons in the world who hated uh, near automata, and I have taken a lot of crap for it, but mm. I stand firm. So if you if you get any, you know, I'm used to the, that community. So if you get any uh, grief. By email, you can forward them to me, and I'll reply with uh, the appropriate amount of anger. <laughs> I appreciate that service. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, uh, Lana, what is uh, what is your story of the week? Um, other than the one we just mentioned, mm-hmm. I, I hate to double down on like an- animated news, but Grounded is getting an animated series. <laughs> yeah. Um, which I just think is. Fascinating for m- multiple reasons, but Obsidian Entertainment, the the survival adventure game Grounded, is getting an animated series. It's reported by Deadline. 
uh, one of the exciting pieces to me is that the game is being adapted by the Star Wars Clone Wars writer Brent Friedman. I don't, maybe it's Friedman. I've never said his name out loud. I assume it's Friedman. Friedman also wrote start on Star Trek Enterprise, and he will work on the story with Brian Goodrich, who worked on the, uh, the Halo video game and is attached direct to direct the show. Um, I think this is a very interesting story because I mean, I love Star Wars Clone Wars. I think it's some of the best Star Wars story that exists in the, uh, like the film, uh, visual media universe um but isn't this just like honey i shrunk the kids like yeah. aren't we dipping into like isn't yeah rick rick moranis gonna be like um knock knock <laughs> yeah uh he's the he's the gatekeeper or the key master i don't know, you can't I, don't know. Shrink. I don't know you who can't wrote shrink it. anything without asking uh, you know, yeah. his permission yeah. i think that is that <laughs> has been the, established that's the Miranda yeah. shrink rule yeah. so um, I, I don't actually know the plot of grounded but i just assumed it was something along those lines and now it's a show i'm like that show exists baby uh, you know just reboot it up I'm not sure. I should Google it. Was there ever a Honey, I Shrunk the Kids uh, cartoon series? Because I feel like there should have been if there wasn't. Oh, it's but, not, it's, uh, it wasn't animated. It was live action. The, like the, the series? Oh, that's a movie, right? The movie I mean, was Oh, there's live a series. Action, was, Maybe it was only really? in Canada. My, we were like in it as kids. So <laughs> what? I'm like familiar with it. How are you involved in every story we're doing this week? <laughs> You know, that's it's really self-serving. I saw the list and I was like, perfect, baby. Now's my time to shine. Just oh, shout yeah, out the- galore. There's the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids TV series, which was Peter Scolari in the Rick Moranis role. Peter mm-hmm. Scolari from Boozum Buddies, uh, the not Tom Hanks of Boozum Buddies. Um, <laughs> but you're right, it's live action. More, you, more important is why did only Canada get it? That's I don't, I don't very think only Canada got it. I think it, I think yeah. it's uh, maybe some people. I mean, America taste. loves Scolari, so I don't. I can't imagine. Uh, but I anyway, regardless of that. <laughs> <laughs> just uh, knock this train listen, back on the it's rails summer. It's summer. three seasons it's started in september of 1997 and ran for three seasons until uh 66th episode on may 20th 2000 uh yeah oh you're right it was uh it was series was filmed in calgary alberta that's main the one. studios located in curie barracks and was decommissioned uh de- <laughs> decommissioned uh canadian forces dormitory crazy <laughs> oh, so yeah. canadian um but not animated. So there you go. So you stop stepping on any yeah, toes, yeah, Moranis or otherwise. No Scolari, no Moranis. This can have its own uh, its own visual language. It's going to be an animated version of kids who are shrunk, not by honey. Somebody else <laughs> shrank them. Not by honey. That's the that's the key difference, actually. Completely different story. Okay? Yes. Right? Um, uh, I, I don't know how the kids get, get uh, shrunk and grounded, but... Um, For me, the fun of Grounded isn't in the playing of it. (laughs) It's in the the looking at it. Uh, So I I think this is the best version of this this thing. I mean, I played I played a fair amount of Grounded. It's fine. It's just not you know not my jam as far as um, there's like a million games that kind of do the same thing: the survival, the the uh, you know getting getting objects, exploring areas, building stuff. Ring 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 ring. Oh, is the is the phone on? I, yes, hello. This is oh. the French secretary of uh, of uh, Phil Spencer. He would like oh. to cancel his uh, coming on the show because oh. you don't like grounded. Goodbye. Oh no. <laughs> oh, please tell Phil. 
Please tell Phil we're sorry. It's weird that he works <laughs> with the the French minister, but it's, you know, cool, 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 cool. <laughs> Uh, He's actually Philippe Spencer. (laughs) Uh, Patrick, uh, what do you? No, no, that's awesome. What do you make of? uh, What do you make of this? I think this could be a really cool show. I really do. I I mean, I don't want to be mean to to Obsidian developers, but I didn't really get into Grounded. And the thing is, anyone can any property can be turned into something cool. Like we've seen it with many old properties that we thought were especially from the 80s were inadaptable in series or uh, movies and the writing quality of writers has become so incredible that we've seen some great things so maybe grounded is going to be a really cool show i'm wondering why out of maybe it's what obsidian thought would be the most standout or why is that what you would choose i'm sure they had to talk about it to phil um you know, being a, a an Xbox studio. Subsidiary, yeah. It's it's weird that that's the property they would turn into an animated uh, series. Um, I but, disagree. I think this makes a lot yeah. of sense. It mm-hmm. it has a it has a visual language. It, it like it is evocative. I mean, mm-hmm. the Honey I Shrunk sure the Kids was a big hit in the eighties. It 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 makes sense. Like it's cool. The idea of I mean, that's the coolest thing about Grounded is hey, you're this tall, and so an ant is a big monster to you. I think that's awesome. It's on the face of it is awesome. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay, you're selling me on it a little bit. Yeah, it is. It can be It can be fun. And and I guess I don't remember Honey, I Shrunk, the kids. Uh, I'm not even sure I've seen them. They wrote on the back of bees. Yeah. <laughs> so it I was fell- wondering, did they spend a lot of time in the garden, or was it just like yeah. home antics? No, no, they spent the a lot of time in the garden. It was like all garden. Okay, so it really yeah. is very much... Grounded. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the one thing that might be interesting about it, between even like the the Mario Studio, I mean, there I think they have a little bit more <laughs> to sort of substance to the options that they they have to use to turn into shows. Um, but with this, I, I feel like a lot of, I feel like a lot of TV places must be looking at the success and like the like the cultural resonance, not just with kids, but all ages of shows like Bluey and mm. being like, what IPs do we have that we can use to do shorter episode things like this that are meaningful in like a world that that is like a unique flavor to what we're doing. And so I feel like Obsidian, if they're looking and they say grounded, maybe they, you know, they looked at their numbers and their demographic, like maybe he's doing crazy well with kids and they love that world. And they're able to sort of pitch this and swing it into something that's not, maybe not like full length, like 22 minute shows, but those, those shorter episodes where you can like get a really big bang for your buck in like eight minutes. Mm. um, I could see it being something like that they're sort of targeting for using this. Maybe they're yeah. not like, this is worth like long plot lines for like like young teenagers and stuff, but maybe shorter episodes that like deal with uh, various um, childhood uh, challenges you may face and family dynamics and just like facing the world and seeing that world from a different perspective. I, I, I see the potential in the show. But I'm just my my brain is just like yeah, honey, I shrunk the kids. I watched that, so I guess it'll probably be fine. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And and what is happening right now 
is really a gold rush for video game IP to be turned into transmedia properties, to be brought to TV or film. It's basically the same thing that happened like 15 years ago with comic with books. Comics, if, you, yeah. if you authored an indie comic book like 15, 20 years ago, there was somebody knocking on your door and optioning that. I mean, it was, it was just every comic book known to man was getting considered at least to be uh, turned into a movie or a TV show. And that's kind of where we are right now with video games. Like it, it, they've proven, okay, this is a rich, uh, a, a rich harvesting place for ideas. And so, you know, just seeing this, this week after week news of something else that's going to be turned into a TV show or a movie. Um, and I think, I think, I think grounded, obviously inspired by a movie property, it just comes full circle and it, it, it does make a lot of sense. And to what you're saying, Lana, give me more of those eight minute shows. I'm all about mm-hmm. the eight minute show where you can watch one before bed and you don't, we don't stay up for a half an hour uh, with the kids. <laughs> I'm all about that. Mm-hmm. Man, maybe, we did. Uh, we, tell, your, we tell your brother on the episode. old Spider-Man. Uh, you shorten the, shorten the Spider-Mans. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> Aren't the Spider-Mans short? I don't even know. I'm wow. There are two, there are like short, two, three minutes ones and then they're longer ones. Mm-hmm. Shows what I know. <laughs> I mean, good job, Darren. You're doing great. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, my story of the week, uh, let's talk about Ubisoft because uh, there was an earnings call this week that really shook some stuff up and then all kinds of other rumors surrounding it. So we're going to kind of cover all the Ubisoft news uh, in one big clump. But firstly, let's talk about the earnings call, which revealed that uh, Ubisoft is, is, is slashing and burning. They're, they're canceling some games. In total, there were four games canceled, two of which we don't even know what they were because they hadn't even been announced yet. But the two that we did know that had been announced that were canceled, uh, Ghost Recon Frontline, which was the big giant 100-plus player uh, PvP Ghost Recon game that they talked about uh, in October of last year. Um, and uh, Splinter Cell VR, which saddens me in particular, but uh, you know, these VR projects—it's—it's—it's it's, it's getting harder and harder for them to come out, and it's making me very sad. But Ghost Recon uh, Frontline, even when it was announced, every single time—and this has happened—I don't know—three or four times in the last decade or so. Every single time a company announces the hundred-plus player game. I'm like, eh, it's probably not going to happen. <laughs> I, I don't understand the desire. I don't even understand the the desire to make that kind of a game. I, th- does that get mm. you excited when it's like 100 people playing at once, it, I, shooting each other? Because I'm never going to in- interact with 100 people. What somebody is doing, what 40 people are doing on the other side of the map, th- I've never seen a game make interesting to me on where I, what I'm doing with interacting with the, the 15 people that I'm interacting with, but maybe I I'm think, being cynical. I think the exciting thing or the, the, the piece of that that is exciting to me that I talk about all the time is what they do on sort of the individual player side of things. Yeah. Okay. From the top, a hundred players, who cares? But if it's a hundred players and I can play with a variable number of my friends. That is really valuable to me because the number Mm -hmm. of times I'm like, okay, well, we have five people. We can play. What games have five people? League of Legends. I can play Valorant. 
I can play Here's the Storm and like some other 5v5s that are out there, games. And then it's like, okay, well, now we have six people. And it used to be like, okay, that means we're playing Overwatch, but not with Overwatch 2. <laughs> and right. so it's like, so if I want to play like with a couple of my pals and then they have two pals they want to play with, we're already out of scope for most games unless we're now like, okay, well, now let's try and get a, at least like a 5v5. Do you have more friends you can bring? It's like you get like awkward numbers for the types of games that allow you to play in a big group. Halo is the biggest one where I think you can get 12 people that you know together and play in a big team battle. And so if it's You're just big... bragging that you have 100 people that you want to play with at any <laughs> no, given time. I am bragging that I have friends and they also have friends. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the idea of like ha- being able to play with a larger group or a smaller group mm-hmm. as as the you know, social dynamics of of the world and my friend group sort of change on a week to week or month to month basis. Having having a game I can go to when we have an odd number of people, it, I would love that, especially if it's a good game. <laughs> well, I think that's a you make a really interesting point, and and it's something I've never thought about with regard to these these giant player count games because I always I always thought that the draw the the entire reason for raison d'etre see i can speak french guys raison d'etre uh the the reason for these these things to even be made is to to have a a big world where there's no npcs right there's just it's all people people are affecting the entire play field but i think you make a great point that that's not really maybe what it is for most folks the reason you get excited about 100 people is because there's no upper limit to the folks that you can cobble together. There's no lower limit. Well, there's no upper limit. It's, it, 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 I, it, it works with any number of players that you want. Well, I think right now that's, that's, that is a, like a promise that's been made by a couple games, but right now that, that isn't the reality. Like a game like Fortnite, obviously you drop in with a hundred other people, Battle Royale, but I'm, I can only play with three of my friends. Right. And so, right. I, yeah. And, and <laughs> a game where you can play with any number of people, like, impossible to balance like very challenging and so that's yeah. why i think it's a, a a concept i love but i don't know how to somebody would ever actually execute on it sorry patrick i actually oh, no. I, that, basically i do we know if uh, frontline was designed to have you know a, a group of friends as large as they want or is it like no i don't think that we five? got we never right. got we that kind of detail the, the about it yeah, because the the way uh, those games usually are, the hundred people game are either you know battle royale or what we've tried. It's not a hundred, but um, battlefield that has always strived to try and emulate as big of a, a, a you know giant well battlefield as possible. There are a mm-hmm. few other uh, realistic ish uh, shooters that usually you know they try to emulate were World War One or World War Two, um, but. No one has found it. Usually, it's a very specific set of rules, and in the case of most war games, it's objective based. So you're mm-hmm. going to do this, and there's one team against another, divided into sub teams, and that's when uh, you know it's very difficult to put together. And if you're not at the front line or where the action is, um, it can be even a little bit boring. That was the problem with the biggest modes in uh, Battlefield, the latest one. I'm wondering if here it wasn't more trying to emulate some kind of MMO-ish 
uh, environment where you would have a giant map and do what you wanted in, on that area. Maybe MMO-ish, maybe a little bit uh, uh, the division-ish. And you mm-hmm. would do your thing in that corner and maybe you would encounter uh, another group and they would try to take your loot and stuff like that. Um, so there, I think there is an interesting design problem to solve to have a big map with a lot of players on it concurrently that isn't a battle royale or just one big team versus another big team. Um, I guess we'll never know if Ubisoft can solve that one. <laughs> yeah. That, that problem is interesting to solve. Um, obviously, if they're canceling it, I'm guessing that development wasn't going great and the game wasn't fun enough. But. Yeah, and I, and I guess I'm sort of filtering all of my feelings through uh, a game that I remember from 12 years ago now, which is called Mag. I don't know if you, either of you guys remember that, but it was a PlayStation 3 game that uh, had 256 players. And I remember at E3, they had a giant screen and they had it was broken up into individual screens of all the 256 players playing at the same time and i was like who is this for like what like, it's impressive <laughs> it's impressive but like wh- how is this well i think wh- how i think better? there's something there's an interesting fantasy of you just you know which is again akin to what happens in an mmo you're just in this world doing your thing and others are doing their thing as well and there are things for you to do right um it's i think the the that the idea is enticing it's just the execution is really tough. So I don't, the, who is this for? I think that the answer is, well, a, a fun game like that would be for anyone. It's just that right. we've never made a fun game like that. Yeah. <laughs> we've never that's yeah, a, it. a bit of an important piece that's missing. Oh, the we fun? can throw you in some kind of online area together if you like. Is it fun? You tell me. <laughs> fun? There's one button that all of you can press. <laughs> I think you just. I think you just. You sold it. Yeah, you figured out the next huge streaming game. Push a button. Two hundred fifty-six players. It starts yeah. like dodgeball. Everybody's at the edge of the map, and they all have to just run for it. And first person press the button wins. It's just a straight line. <laughs> There's whoever's good. got the most responsive controller. That's it, man. You win. You push the button. Great job. That's Congrats. you know there is. That's a game jam waiting to happen. Game you know, there would be so many fun creations thinking, around that concept. 256 players. Everybody has to push a button at the same time. You don't know when. <laughs> but anybody that doesn't push it at the same time gets knocked out. There you go. And you keep going. It's like a battle royale. It's called push the button. Oh, man. DLC game jam 2022. Let's go. Oh, do it. Got it. We It's a million seller right there. <laughs> Streamers will eat it up. <laughs> when are we pushing the button? When are we pushing it? Right. <laughs> Other Ubisoft news. Uh, we, uh, again, uh, I'm pouring one out for Splinter Cell VR because I think that could have been cool. And that was announced uh, during 2020's uh, Facebook Connect. It was going to be on the Oculus Quest 2. Yeah, they pulled the plug on it. Uh, evidently, the other game that was announced at that time, uh, the uh, Assassin's Creed VR game, not canceled unless that's the they said they were two unannounced games that has been announced so i don't think that would fall into that category so i guess Mm -hmm. it's not canceled which Mm -hmm. gives me a little hope we haven't heard anything about it in a long time um but the other uh assassin's creed game which 
weirdly is called Assassin's Creed Rift, evidently, uh, although that's not official, but but it's not Rift. The, the code name is Rift. The code, the code name, name is Rift, Assassin's but it's not Creed the Rift. VR headset. No, Oculus but it's not. Rift. No, it's not. Yeah, it's very confusing because there is an Assassin's Creed VR game for not the Rift, the Quest, and this is called Rift internally. Uh, it's very hard. Anyway, uh, <laughs> according to Bloomberg, the next Assassin's Creed game, which uh, evidently is started out as a spinoff of Valhalla because it, it stars the main character of Valhalla or one of the characters of Valhalla, um, is, uh, has been delayed. So that, uh, that was going to be coming out this year, but I guess uh, now maybe 2023. And then the other big Ubisoft delay is the avatar game frontiers of pandora which they showed some some you know sizzle of they showed the uh the engine uh and i thought it looked gorgeous i thought it looked really cool uh like all avatar projects being delayed and uh, <laughs> we'll miss this year now as expected sometime during the 2023 fiscal year fiscal years are weird which means it couldn't it could be not coming until 2024 Luckily, there's an Avatar movie every year from now until the dawn of time or the heat death of the universe, whatever you want to say. Uh, so uh, any any response to that? I know I'm the only person oh. on planet Earth who likes Avatar and looks forward to playing this game. Oh, I, I, I like, like Avatar. All right. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm amongst friends. That's good. There you go. <laughs> I appreciate that. It wasn't planned, everyone. It's just, <laughs> just reality. Oh, that um, we, we, we read our scripts now, Patrick. We like <laughs> Avatar too, Jeff. Um, I think a lot of people will will hear this and think, "Ooh, what's happening at Ubisoft? Like, are they in trouble?" And and I wonder. I mean, yeah, it's not great that they are canceling games that have been announced. Um, so there's a little bit of a concern there. Uh, I think this is more. I would hope this is more healthy than concerning. Uh, maybe they were seeing their slate of games and and some <coughs> sorry some things didn't fit but at the same time uh it means they're not going to have an assassin's creed this year probably right this it's yeah. not coming out in 2022 so right. they don't have a lot for this fall which is surprising for a big publisher like ubisoft but it seems like it's probably a healthy um response to concerns they might have with the quality <coughs> of the of those games um, I can see a world where Ubisoft would have said, okay, just, you know, polish it for an extra two months and, and just put it out. And that's not the way they're going. Um, there might be other reasons, but maybe they just didn't find the fun in those games. And they're thinking, we're not in a super great position uh, right now. And our latest games have not been incredibly well received maybe we shouldn't shoot us you know do short-term gains for longer term uh tarnishing of our reputation and also they're making sure that their uh developers aren't uh crunching maybe in the I case hope, of yeah, the late nice. games hopefully yeah. that's uh coming well, the, into into the picture but they basically call out you know covid and the and the current situation with um supply chain as as being a big uh reason for the delays um uh the quote is um uh oh wait where is it current ongoing constraints on yeah. production across on productions across across the industry yeah which 
it it might be the case uh it might also be a, you know the reason they give so that people don't look for other reasons right i don't know mm. it, it might be it might be that um but but i mean w- my point is that i wouldn't be too concerned about ubisoft yet uh the these don't seem like concerning announcements to me for the long t- term health of uh, of the company uh, yeah. maybe the opposite Go ahead, Lana. Oh, yeah. I was just saying, if anything, I hope it's like a like a lesson. Like you're you're canceling two of the games you already announced. And that just to me is like a lesson in maybe we don't need to announce things mm. so early. Yeah. Like may, like yeah. two unannounced games, great. That feels healthy. Canceling these even two announced games feels healthy. If they're not on the right track, great. Hopefully it's not that they're already at crunch capacity and so they're just like, well, we can't crunch them more. I guess we got to cancel them. You know, hopefully it's not there. Yeah. Um, uh, but I, I just, I hope there's a lesson in just being like, what if we just made things slightly more exciting, slightly shorter ramps onto when you would actually play the game versus the marketing. Um, but the funny thing about these stories, Jeff, is that I really feel like you've broken my brain in a particular way with like just your your premonitions at the beginning of the year. Cause honestly, every time there's gaming news, like game is delayed. I'm like, well, I already knew that. <laughs> You're welcome. I, I just I, I knew I that. We, we all knew deal. that. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff was right. Yeah. There you go. Um, <laughs> my favorite part of the Ubisoft uh, maelstrom of news this week is, uh, is more of a rumor. It comes from our friend, friend of the show, Jeff Grubb, who uh, kind of broke some information on what promises to be the next Immortals game. Immortals Phoenix Rising is a game that I I consistently think is one of the most underrated games of the last five to 10 years. It, it is just so good. It, the more I think about it, the more I loved it. It, it, it I know folks that love Breath of the Wild uh, look at it as, as very derivative. I don't. I think it had so much life and energy and interesting uh, innovation in that space. I, I loved it. But evidently, uh, according to Jeff Grubb, the sequel or spinoff, I think it's more of a spinoff is what he's saying, less of a sequel, more of a spinoff, uh, has a, uh, an internal name of Oxygen and will evidently be based on Hawaiian Polynesian culture, which sounds really cool and different. Obviously, the first Immortals was all about um, Greek gods and the myths uh, of that culture. So I imagine it will still take place, still involve gods and deities. Um, but uh, evidently this game is is only in pre-production and won't be around, uh, released until something like 2025. So it's a, a long ways out. I'm just super excited this franchise is continuing. I don't know if either of you were fans of the first Immortals game, but I loved it. Yeah, I, I really liked it. Um, it was the first one that kind of started my frustration with the Switch uh, because I got it on Switch to mm. play portable. And it was, you know, it functions like everything does on Switch. But it's really, the, the, the console is not built for that kind of graphical fidelity. And, and we've seen many, many games since then that are, you know suffering from the rash decision of Nintendo to not put out a, a more powerful version of the Switch. Maybe we should blame COVID for that. But um, but the game itself was really fun. And I think what is uh, uh, interesting is that they took Assassin's Creed in a different direction from uh, 
uh, Origins and in particular Odyssey. And Immortals is that gameplay system, more or less, of Odyssey. So I, maybe they were like, this style of gameplay is so fun. We have to keep it, even if we have to change some things for Assassin's Creed. And maybe that new series, uh, uh, you know, Immortals, is that, is preserving the gameplay of mm. Odyssey. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure I will be as excited by a uh, lore or a, a mythology that I don't know in this case hawaii uh, hawaiian uh polynesian um so that's my not super pc remark on that it's like oh i don't know it so maybe i'm not it's not gonna get its hook it hooks on me as much because when there were jokes in phoenix rising i, I got the jokes because mm. it was references to things that were part of my culture yeah uh, but i'm very curious to see what it is um You've gotta watch and, moana and, a bunch of times so immortals phoenix rising i wanted to like so much more than i did i remember playing it i think it's one of the first times i like started playing a video game and then i at one point i was just like i gotta stop i gotta stop because but it wasn't because like this like the story or like the plot or whatever there's i can't actually remember the details now but there's something about like the inputs that Hmm. I wrestled with mm. like I, there was like certain presses that I was expecting would land and consistently didn't that made me want to tear my hair out. And eventually I was like, I have better things to do than wrestle with this <laughs> controller, trying to land the combos that should be easy. And for some reason are not. Um, and I don't, I, I should actually pick it up again to figure out what it was about it that bothered me because I, I'd love to remember why so that I can be like, I hope they fix X thing. The only thing that really sticks out in my brain that I hope they fix um, or hope they spend a little bit more time on in this upcoming game, like the the characters were so expressive in like their voice and like this like like sort of over the top, almost like silly mm-hmm. jokes. Yeah. Um, but the facial, they had like these big cartoony faces, but I feel like it's like their first for me, it felt like a first foray into this for this, this studio to, to work on. And the faces were just like dead or like the eye controllers are just locked on the character. So their heads are moving all around, but their eyes are locked. So it looks like they're sort of lolling in their head in an extreme way. And I'm like, if I think you're it was budget. These... Oh, of course. It, it, seemed, it seemed like a very sh- small budget game. Or oh, absolutely. I'm sure it wasn't cheap, but yeah. I, I think but if you're scene... making a sequel, like I'm hoping that there's like some amount of work that you don't have to redo, like get keep your traversal yeah. or whatever going, and then add like five percent more time to like really <laughs> refining those because the plot is like so, like that was such a, a highlight of it is the silliness and like the the com- com- comedicness of these things. If you're able to bring that more into the artistry of how you craft those scenes, I think. Um, maybe I'm just being a very nitpicky animator right now, being like, man, the facial animations weren't the best. Um, but I do think it would really make those moments sing rather than being um, quite a bit of a distraction. I think you've hit on what was the biggest turnoff for most people about the game. I think that whatever that art style, whatever you want to call it, that mm-hmm. that look, I think it was a turnoff for a lot of people. I think that whatever they hit on something that was kind of bizarre and it, it yeah. just, it, it, felt strange. I got over it. Right. I, I also didn't think the, the characters would, that's not how I would have designed them if I was making that game. 
but I also it didn't distract me or bother me the way it yeah. seems to have for you. Um, it, it, it wouldn't. It, that would never be the reason why I stopped playing the game. I notice yeah. it because I notice it. But sorry, right. continue. No, no. I, I but I do think a lot of po- folks looked at it and were like, "This looks goofy or, or off-putting in some way." Mm-hmm. And I think uh, I think that that hurt the game. I mean, according to Grub, he said they will still try to be visually stylized, but it's less of a copy of Breath of the Wild. So I wonder how far afield it will go from from the first game, both visually and gameplay wise. I think it'll be interesting to see. And, and again, you know, not until 2025 uh, targeted uh, at the earliest. So mm-hmm. um, we have a, a long ways out. I'm just glad I, I love that game. And I wish more people liked it like I did, because I think it's, I think it was fantastic. Yeah, One of the I biggest, think- best endings of a game, like the crescendo, you, you do all this stuff, all this stuff, all this stuff on this big open world. And then at the end you have to like ascend this mountain and mm-hmm. that sequence of ascending the mountain is so memorable to me. And it's such a cool crescendo for the for this game that I played for dozens and dozens of hours. It was it was awesome. Yeah. Like Patrick said, I mean, I definitely think they're working on a budget. And if like they were able to sort of, you know, use that first game as a proof of concept and push it further and have more support, I'm like very excited for that team. I think they had so many wonderful ideas and so so many great things packed in there. And I, I feel uh, you know sad that I couldn't power through for my for my own you know finicky yeah. reasons. Yeah. All right. Well, let me take a quick break and uh, thank our sponsor, Squarespace. Square. They are a wonderful sponsor. They've been around for a long time, since the beginning of the show over eight years ago. And the reason is because uh, both they are awesome and I love to talk about Squarespace. I am uh, such a fan. Uh, I have been for a long time. JeffCanada.com was built on Squarespace still to this day. I use it. I recommend it to friends. And now Squarespace has a whole new reason to be recommended. And that is because it has become an all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. You can build a beautiful website, stand out, engage your audience, and sell anything with Squarespace, your products, your content, even your time. Because they have all of these wonderful tools. You can build an online store, sell products on that store. Whether it is physical or digital products, doesn't matter, Squarespace has all the tools you need to start selling online. Plus, Squarespace makes it easy for creators to monetize their content. So even if you're not selling physical goods, you can sell your expertise in a way that fits your brand. With member areas, you can unlock a new revenue stream for your business and free up time in your schedule by selling access to gated content like videos, online courses, or newsletters. And they're Pro-level video studio, the Squarespace video studio app helps you make and share engaging videos that tell your story, grow your audience, and drive sales. They've got analytics to help you grow your business in real time. You can learn about your site visits and sales, where they're coming from. You can analyze which channels are most effective. They have blogging and commenting features so much, and it's so easy to use. I urge you to check it out. Go to squarespace.com, Jeff, uh, excuse me, squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me. You'll get a free trial, free. You don't even have to give them your credit card. It'll be completely free. You can use all those tools, check them out. And then when you're ready to launch, use our offer code, which is Jeff sent me, J-E-F-F-S-E-N-T-M-E. You'll save 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. You can buy domain names 
on Squarespace. So cool. I've, I've been doing that uh, for a long time. I love their front end for that. Over 200 extensions to choose from. It's so simple. It's so well done. Squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me. Get you that free trial. And then when you're ready to, to purchase your site, check out. Use that promo code. Jeff sent me. J-E-F-F-S-E-N-T-M-E. And you'll get 10% off. Thanks to Squarespace for sponsoring the show. All right, let's talk about the games that we have been playing this week in a segment we call The Playlist. All right, I'm going to start with Lana uh, this time. Mm-hmm. And that's because I want to talk about Stray. Um, yeah. I, uh, I'm very excited to talk about Stray. We kind of touched on it slightly, uh, this last Wednesday on the, uh, on the paid DLC program. Cause uh, Christian wouldn't shut up about it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I know that it sounded like then Lana, you were enjoying the kitty cat game Stray. Yes, definitely. Uh, I have since finished it when I, we, when we chatted Wednesday, I'd only played a couple hours and it's only like, it's not super long game, right. maybe maybe four or five hours total. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really loved it. I thought like it was very, not just the the character of the cat in general was this endearingly animated with like these, you know, silly little um, cat characteristics that you can like meow on command. I, I clawed every rug that you can claw. <laughs> yeah. Um but like all these different robots and their silly personalities and the things that they're doing in this world was so, I felt like every moment just endeared me to this world that the Blue 12 Studios uh, created. And I, I really loved the whole experience. What did you think? I too loved it. I really, really did. I mean, it's a better cyberpunk world than cyberpunk 2077, in my opinion. <laughs> like it's a, it's such a cool art direction the the design of the future all of the the ways the game subtly points things out to you in this very mm-hmm. um very uh, you know hyper um stimuli world you know that cyberpunk is is characterized by you know lots of neon and lots of color and lots of everything stacked on top of each other and it it very much is that blade runner cyberpunk world mm-hmm. and one of the challenges i think of designing a world like that is not making it overwhelming or so cacophonous and and and, and you know overstimu- overstimulation that you just can't make out anything. You have no idea what is what and what is accessible and where to go. And this game does such a good job of having these little subtle contextual hints of where to go and what's accessible and what 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 you can use and what you can't. And I also love that. You know, as Christian mentioned uh, on the paid DLC show, it is basically a puzzle platformer. Mm-hmm. I think, honestly, th- that Stray is a direct descendant of games that I loved in my youth, like King's Quest. I mean, it's straight up a, a point-and-click adventure game with this platforming layer on it. But it, yeah. the logic of Stray is basically the logic of, of, of a King's Quest or a space quest or you know any of those old sierra games or or you know lucas arts games like uh, secret of monkey island it's how do i get this thing done what you know weird item can i find that gets this person to do this thing which gets this person to do that thing which then gets that thing done and i loved that i love that they found this way to kind of completely 
revitalize that old, very old gameplay uh, genre, honestly. Yeah. I thought the whole thing was very smartly done from start to finish. You know, starting mm-hmm. you as a cat with your cat pals and like the beautiful green world is like, okay, I know like what life just run around being cats being buddies how sweet you know we have our little nap pile you can say hi to them all at the beginning and then you get thrown into the slums of this underground world and so you're like oh i already know what i'm missing this is so sad kind of moment Mm -hmm. and so knowing that you're sort of like fighting to get back there the whole game is fantastic but also the way that they build you up so because it is this cyberpunk world. And as you said, it's not like stacked and stacked and like complete overload. But you start in in the space. The tutorial is so subtle that at, at first it's like, oh, like, like they have like the, the command sort of pop up, like press X to jump or whatever. But using like sort of burnt out signs to guide your way, like the sign would come on that have an arrow. Mm-hmm. And the implication is that like, oh, this is where you're supposed to go. But also maybe it's like, an old sign for like, oh, this restaurant's this way. And it's it's very clever to be like, oh, I'm supposed to go towards these lights. And then it, they sort of bring you into a, sort of a second level where you also will follow lights, but there's more stuff around you and it's more distracting. And it's not so clear as like, there's the one warm light in sort of like this gray area. And then like the final layer of like even busier world, even more things to look at. And now you have to talk to people to understand your way because you can't just see it automatically. It was like a very clever buildup of using my skills slowly, understanding the world, getting comfortable with the controls and what I'm supposed to do until I'm very independent at the end of the game. And it just felt very comfortable to play overall. It was like a very comfortable, cool game. And, yeah. and so many little moments of like silly discovery of like, oh, I'm a cat. There's a paper bag here and I <laughs> yeah. put it on my head and now my controls are backwards because I can't see anything. It's so sweet. Yeah. Um, and if I meow on command, the little robots look at me and some of them are mad at me and some of them are shocked and some of them are like, oh, like it's it's just very sweet and thoughtful, like very well considered short experience that I just adored. I adored it as well. I, I I think it's really one of the the best experiences I've had all year, and mm-hmm. it's it is it, there's so many cool things about it. I there is a version of this game that they could have made that was a pure uh, sort of I don't know Mario esque platformer where you can jump on anything, you can fall off stuff. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it works like a a platformer where you you know try to land that jump. Instead, what they did is you can't fall off things. Yeah. You can only jump to stuff that you can reach that the cat can get to. And the game very clearly shows you what you can jump to and what you can't by putting a little icon up. When you make eye contact with a ledge that you can reach, the little X icon shows up and shows you, hey, you can jump to that. Mm-hmm. Which uh, I was actually at first when they showed me like, oh, press X to jump and it like showed the X on things. I really was like, oh, this is going to be very linear. There's going to be like mm-hmm. one path. I just have to find where the X is going to pop up so I can jump onto it. But it really felt very satisfying. I really thought the platforming, I felt like I was thinking and making choices. And I'd be like, I think I can go there. And then I'd be like rewarded with it. But also they have an option to turn it off for people who do find the, the X icon distracting. But I really, I didn't find it. I didn't feel like I, like my player autonomy was taken away by the existence of it. it I just, agree. Yeah. Yeah. 
It felt like uh, in I think they use a similar system in the in the Batman Arkham games where it's like if you can grapple there you'll see the little icon pop up and mm-hmm. I, I found it I, I was like I was so pleasantly surprised by how that took the the stress off of am I gonna just sort of mechanically land that jump or am I gonna get frustrated yeah. because I fell off a thing and oh my gosh I I thought I could leap to there and I just couldn't quite make it and ugh now I gotta climb all the way back up it just it took all of that stuff out of it and just made it pure. Where can I go? Let's figure this out more like a puzzle. Let's let's mm-hmm. think about it. Ooh, a cool, that's cool. Because I love that as a cat, you are you sort of don't in, <laughs> you don't intuit which jumps you can make or not. You know, because a yeah. cat has superhuman abilities for jumping, <laughs> and you know. The one thing that would have been a funny, maybe it actually exists. I mean, I wasn't super thorough in my playthrough. It would be funny if like there's one jump that you try to do and you're on a slippery surface. That would have been like a nice little cat moment. There's like one oh. jump you can only, only fail. <laughs> there's a couple of them where you, you'll land and, and it'll like the cat will fall on it, you know, it's two front paws and then hang there for a second and then pull itself up. I um, only saw that animation once and I was like, mm. what? <laughs> yeah. That's possible. You can do that. Yeah. The other thing I will say, I mean, there's so much I could say about the game. I just, I just, I really was so impressed by it. I think it's, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not that it's completely nonviolent because Mm -hmm. there is violence in the game and you do, you know, get the ability to destroy things at a certain point and, and, and stuff like that. But mostly it is that thing that I talk about a lot on the show of, hey, what is a gameplay loop that is super satisfying and fun that isn't about just killing things? Mm-hmm. And, and and this game, you know, like those old uh, point-and-click adventures, is about making connections, solving puzzles, figuring stuff out. I think, it, I think some of the puzzles, there's nothing too difficult. You know, it's all pretty straightforward and there's really wonderful clues for everything. There's not, there's nothing that I was like, Oh, slamming my head against the wall, mm-hmm. but all of the, there's enough of the puzzles where I felt, Hey, that was clever. And I feel clever for having figured it out. Yeah. And, 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 I, and there's a lot of really kind of non-linear, you know, in this, in the, in the secret of monkey Island style, like, Oh, there's no reason that should have solved that. But the goofy logic of it is fun. You know, yeah. oh, you know, dumping something on the head of a person makes them get up and go and do something. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's fun. And and there's and it's always fun cat logic for how you accomplish something, which I liked as well. My, yeah. my criticism, if it really is a criticism, I don't know. There is a part of me, and I wonder if you agree with this, Lana. There is a part of me, because this is in the, takes place in the future, you play as a cat. It's a crazy cyberpunk future with, you know, there's no humans. It's all robots. Uh, and the robots are really well done. So well designed and, and cool and evocative. They're animated very well. Like there's a robot that just stumbles over your feet if you walk around it. You know, it's just wandering down the street. It's great. Lots of great detail. But if I had a criticism, it would be that at one point, and this might be a tiny, tiny spoiler for the game, but I think if you've seen any trailer, you've seen it. But if you want to skip forward, you know, 15 seconds. At one point, you get a little robot companion that lets you pick up items, talk to people, do basically human stuff. Mm. And I thought, well, if you're making a cat game, don't just turn (laughs) me into a human. 
You know? <laughs> does it feel I a bit like that. a cop-out? I think it does, but I also think that the interactions that you do with that robot, like you still mostly had to do cat stuff. Yeah. I think the way you had to solve those problems, the way you had to solve human problems was by doing cat stuff. Yeah. And so uh, I didn't mind it so much because it's like, okay, there, here's like a weird like cyber connection that this cat has made with this robot for however that happened. Like whatever that reason was that they've made this connection. It's like just things that would be like too anthropomorphic for the cat to actually execute. Yeah. But I, I think they I think they could have solved every problem more cat like by like, oh, find that uh, like a little hole to crawl through instead of needing to like open the door or like hack the thing. Right. But, yeah, and because at the beginning but, of the Oh sorry, go ahead. Oh, but but I found that those problems were so small that it's like thematically it would be different, but mechanically it it would not have been. And I feel like that's why I wasn't super bothered by it because the th- the challenging problems I did solve in a cat like way every time. Right. No, you're right. I think that's true. But but in the first section of the game, w- before you have any of those abilities, you you know the cat. There's a there's a part where you have to put this plug in this thing and the cat has to literally like walk over and pick up the thing in its mouth and bring it over and then, you know, tap it in. And I was like, Oh, that's, this is amazing. I'm just going to be a cat through this whole game. And then you get the means to just sort of magically carry any item magically, you know? Yeah. And I go, okay. I mean, I'm with you game. I'm loving this game so much that I will grant you that, but also wouldn't it have been cool to figure out ways for the cat to have to do all of that instead of just sort of <laughs> hand waving it away and go, Oh, you have a magic thing that lets you pick up any size object that you might need, you know? You know yeah. what I, mean? I, I definitely know what you mean. And, and I agree that, well, I, and I assume there's some degree of push and pull between like, uh, like making game mechanics, like even 5% more tedious versus not versus yeah. budget versus, yeah. versus not. And, and, just you know the, the push and pull of game development in general and so i do think that if they had made more things use like that oh you have to carry this in your mouth like there's pretty much like the like one object that you ever have to do that to right um uh but like it like let's say any any of the larger items that you ever have magically in your bag if you like have that in your cat mouth and you're doing like that weird cat walk where they have like their legs really far apart and they're like <laughs> But then that, that, yeah. that's where I'm like, that's a unique cycle for like a unique thing. Like every every piece of that puzzle would expand the development time, and so. No, I get I, that. I get I, that. I, I, and I know that you get that. I guess. I guess. I think those those thoughts I have happen as I'm playing it so quickly that I'm just like, great, great job, and well, I, I, feel I, like, I never yeah. think twice. Obviously, it would be a huge limiter, right? It would be like, yeah. okay, well, you can't have the cat, you know, steal a jacket off of a mannequin, right? You, like, the cat's yeah. not going to be able to do that, right? But also, I didn't make you, you have a cat as your main character. You know, <laughs> like, you did that to yourself. You know what I mean? So your, your way out of the situation you put yourself in is like, well, we magically have this button. This robot can do it. It's fine. It's fine. Don't think about it. And it's like, okay, okay. On one hand of me is, is, you know, on one part of my brain is like, that's fine. I get it. It worked. It was awesome. It made for much more interesting puzzles than you would have been able to get to otherwise. But on the other hand, it's like, you made the cat game. 
Let's commit to the cat game. You know. Yeah, but they know. also committed to cyberpunk, and so yeah, you know, yeah, if yeah. you're like fully a cat, you know, they have to have that cyberpunk spice, right, on the cat. So, well, that's stray. Uh, I, you know, Lena and I both loved it. I know Christian loved it. It, it, it really is a very special game. Uh, I think uh, it just feels so different from anything else. And and it's we, one of the thing we haven't mentioned is how beautiful it is. I mean, it's really a gorgeous, gorgeous game. Mm. Really, really fantastic. Like the world that you're running around in, like really, like distinct too. Like definitely felt like I'm like, oh, I've learned this neighborhood. I remember where this thing is, so I can go back and get it. Like, uh, team seems like super tiny and yeah. just really remarkable. Yeah, effort. I felt like they just had laser focus on a concept, and they executed it to a, a super, super high degree. I'm really, I just, uh, yeah, just felt so good. Felt so good playing it. I agree. Uh, what else is on your playlist? Um, we don't have to talk about them too much. Two things. Fortnite still, still playing that. I can't. Mm-hmm. I, I'm still like every time I tell somebody I play Fortnite, I'm like, who am I? Who have I become? But I really <laughs> love it. It's a great social game. Uh, I love that Christian calls it his golf game, uh, and I fully agree with that. Good to play and hang and do silly things. It's that's good. Uh, and then also, ironically, since the uh, announcement of the it officially becoming unsupported other than maintenance, uh, I've been playing a ton of Heroes of the Storm again. Like so much Heroes of the Storm. Ugh. I can't believe it. Um, I might have to get so, in on that with you. That's, I, I will mean, see that. I only wanted to mention it in case you ever wanted to play. I got to see, you know, where your coaching gotcha. Oh, I got to know. I'm sure all that is atrophied <laughs> at this point, and I will be rubbish. <laughs> but I started teaching my sister who, you know, I think I mentioned it whenever we brought it up after I worked on the game for six years and it's been three years since then. The game's been alive from bajillion, however, well, not bajillion, but it feels like it's been alive for a long time. And literally the day that they announced that they're shutting it down, my sister's like, I think I'll pick this up now. <laughs> so I've been teaching her and you must be better than her. Um, so I'd love to play with you sometime. I would love to. Yeah, well, we, we we will definitely make that happen because uh, I miss it terribly. I mean, I, I I have no idea where the meta is. I like I I have all these skills <laughs> that are like I said are probably just gone, and uh, all the my I'm sure that there are characters that have been updated, and like all of my little tactics for all the my <laughs> characters are just outdated and wrong now. So uh, yeah. I'm sure I'll be terrible, but I I I love that game so very much. Yeah, it'd be great to uh, get a game or two in. A little, a little quick match. Quick, quick match, no rules. Who cares about the meta? Let's go. Yeah. Boom. Yeah, fun. Uh, Patrick Beja, what is on your playlist? So I am in a uh, situation where I don't have a lot of time to play, so I try, I nibble mm-hmm. at a lot of things. Um, but it's funny. I, I just wanted to put out there that, that I don't know, I'm the, the testimony of – being a dad of two, which is a situation you're familiar with, Jeff, mm-hmm. I don't have a lot of time. And I, I find that I enjoy games through sometimes not playing them, but watching stuff about them. I, I'm not talking about Twitch, about other people playing them. I'm talking about like uh, announcements of sequels or, you know, like mm. there's the Destiny to uh, uh, the next expansion that's going to be announced towards the end of August. And when I saw that announcement, I was like, oh, my God, that's so awesome. I want to watch this. I haven't played Destiny 2 for like three months. And I really <laughs> yeah. love the game. I just right. I don't have time to play it. So 
watching the announcement of something new is my way of interacting with the game kind of which is weird um but i wonder if there are other people who are like that i will tell Um, you i have gotten uh not a small number of emails over the years uh from people who say hey i listen to dlc religiously but i haven't played video games in a long time but this is my way to stay connected with the video game industry i live vicariously through your podcast I, you know, I hear you guys talk about video games. I don't get to play them, but this is how I get to enjoy video games. And and I, I love that. I mean, I'm very uh, grateful that folks uh, listen to the show and I like that we can be that for, for people. Uh, but I, and I totally get it. And that's, you know, it, you love this industry. You just, it, it, you know, the actual playing of the games, uh, you know, doesn't fit into your lifestyle anymore. I get it. Yeah. Not as much as I would like to, especially when the kids are on vacation. Uh, And actually, you're right. I I listen to podcasts uh, about video games to enjoy video games in a way. But, you know, like patch notes. I'll watch content creators (laughs) go through patch notes for a game I love, which I haven't had time to play. Right, yeah. um, But that's fun. But I also did have time to play a little bit. I played uh, a bit more uh, Neon White, which I think is has some something in common with uh, stray or at least the way you were talking about it what's really interesting about neon white is that it's really a speedrun game which which can be a, a put off to many people because you don't have time to perfect your run uh, which is the point of speedrun games or you know like uh, uh, i don't know meat, super meat boy or stuff like that where it's kind of a die and retry but they do it so smartly i know you've talked about it but i don't know if you've uh, uh, talked about this point because finishing the game with like the gold or platinum medal, whatever it is, finishing the level is really just about figuring out the level. It's not right. perfecting a time. Once you've figured out what you need to do in this level, you will most likely be able, with a little bit of, of uh, um, optimization, get the highest medal. And then you can speed run and you know score a better score and compete with your friends and everything if you want to. But it's so wonderful that you can go get that experience um, and and kind of discover the new mechanics they're putting in place and the clever ways they arrange the level and they design the levels uh, by just managing to understand each sort of mini, uh, uh, you know, traversal puzzle they're, they're putting out for you. And it's really enjoyable. It's pleasurable to run through the levels. So yeah. I, it's, got, it's doing so much right this game i really like it yeah you're right it, it is much more of a puzzle than it even is a skill challenge it's it is i mean there is skill challenge to it but you're right it's it, each level is a little a little puzzle that you have to figure out and i don't think the game presents itself that way which is really interesting because you, you sort of come to that you discover that as you play it you go oh it's not that i just have to go, be really really good at moving through this level it's that there are little shortcuts that I have to figure out. Mm. And I, I love that the game doesn't even kind of, uh, it doesn't tell you that it just, it, you just discover it. Yeah. It's, and it's, it's got a lot going for it. And those puzzles are interacting with the game's mechanics and they introduce new mechanics. So you're really not like sitting and thinking, okay, how do I solve that puzzle? You're playing the game as a spe- speed runner, like baby speed runner would. Um, <laughs> yeah. You're just, you're just playing the game uh, in a way that is accessible to normal people. Yeah. Um, so I really yeah. like that. 
Uh, I've also played a little bit of a Power Wash Simulator, like I think everyone on the planet. <laughs> yeah, um, it's crazy. This game has has gotten into the zeitgeist so so profoundly. The 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 effect of uh, Game Pass, yes, right? That's yeah, like, and uh, it's it's really it's really enjoyable. I don't want to say good or fun, although it it is, but it's like it's compelling. <laughs> Maybe that's the the word. I don't want to say you know, those first, things, even though it is. <laughs> the, the the first level is like you clean that the the van and you're like it's easy enough and you're like oh yeah okay that's like I can complete stuff and then the second level is this gigantic backyard with like the deck and the the furniture and the and and I was like it it took me an hour and a half to complete the that level and after a half hour I was like I have stuff to do like. <laughs> I, I I have children. I don't have time for this for this stuff, and and I couldn't stop. <laughs> like, I like, my OCD brain took over, and the pleasure of making a dirty thing clean was so like engrossing that I couldn't stop playing it. <laughs> so I finished the level, and then I was like, okay, I'm gonna put that aside because it's like there are other things like and i i won't even say more productive things that i want to do it's like other games that i want to play that this is... <laughs> it is it, it does uh strike me that if if you could like go back in time you know and and deliver power wash simulator to somebody that was playing you know super mario brothers 2 or something be like these are the games we'll be playing in the future and they're like what <laughs> what <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's but it's it's fun. It's it's a really well made game, and and compare it to uh, Hard Space Shipbreaker, which I didn't play a lot of, but after hearing uh, Scott talk about it on on your show a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I'm gonna give it a try. Like Hard Space Shipbreaker, and usually the chore core games are so involved. Maybe not all of them, actually, maybe not most of them, but that one is so involved. Like there's a, a, a story, and like it's yeah. a critique of capitalism like i think 80 percent of the games are nowadays it it actually it's getting a little bit tiresome even though there's interesting points to be made there but um it it, like power wash simulator is really just like all right here's that thing it's dirty make it clean go (laughs) you want a story the story is it's dirty (laughs) and it's like ooh, i have different nozzles for my and this one cleans farther out it's 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 great i heard there's a uh like a secret hardcore mode for the uh the so inclined where after it tells you you've already cleaned the car you can zoom way in and find the dirt and just (laughs) there's still dirt there and they're actually lying to you uh, so if you really want to drive yourself insane, a la Christian Spicer, just zoom in afterwards and see how clean that car really is. Okay, it's like it, it, you clean like ninety seven percent of it, and it says, "Okay, that part's clean." But if you zoom in, maybe in the hardcore mo- mode, you, you can see which parts you didn't. And initially, it's like, "Okay, it's a window. The window is whatever." But then in the later levels, you have like the inside of the engine and like the underside of the steps of the stairs. It's like, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a game. I got to try this um, game just because everything everyone says about it makes me not want to play it at all. It's like, it is not a game for everyone. Every single thing, people it's, are like, yeah, yeah. And then you get to do this. It's so addictive. And I'm like, what? 
I, I have to try it just to be just to be sure that I'm not completely wrong about this. You case. will not. It, it is for a very specific subset of the population yeah. that is OCD and like it's it's also although you know it is something in your life that you can control. Yeah, uh, yourself. Yeah. So maybe that will be a draw to you. I, I understand that uh, at least. I've I've also been uh, trying to to complete uh, a couple of games from my backlog that we all have. And in the summer, you know, there's less uh, releases. So after the uh, conference for Final Fantasy VII and the 15 games that are coming out in that franchise, I went back and finally finished Final Fantasy VII Remake. Mm -hmm. And I loved it when I first did, you know, I did the first half, I guess, maybe a little bit more. I thought it was really good and really... disliked it intent intensely uh wow. <laughs> going back to it like, i wonder why that is it, it's it is such a bad i was playing in english initially it's such a bad caricature of japanese stereotypes and the writing is pretty horrible um like the the the, the mr t character uh, Barrett <laughs> has always been like a caricature of Mr. T, but the way he's voiced, especially in English, it's not as bad in, in Japanese is like, it's almost offensive. Like it's, it's Mr. T on 11 all the time. <laughs> and if it was just that, it would be okay. But there's also so much like the, the writing is mustache twirling villains and mm. the structures of the levels are unnecessarily uh, uh, lengthened by, oh, you need to go in that room that's over there in front of you, but why don't you go through that corridor that's, you know, 15 kilometers long? And it's... So... It, it is... I, I'm sorry, what? No, I was just going to say, so so um, how far did you... When you first loved it, how, like how far through the game were you? And like, when did the turn happen? Or is it just you came back with fresh eyes and you're like, oh, actually, I hate this. <laughs> I think I think it's exactly that. I went through like almost two thirds of it and I thought it was good. I think the novelty of the really good combat system had worn off. Mm. And um, also the fact that I, I'm not going to spoil, but I guess people know that it differs from... From the original game uh, in certain ways. And I thought that was very poorly handled because there's, first of all, if you don't know the original game, you don't understand anything. And second of all, even if you do know the original game, you don't understand anything. Like, there's nothing explained. It's, it, it, it is a complete, like, you know, lost kind of, ooh, and there, there's, a, there's a polar bear here. Why? We don't know. Like, it's, and maybe they're going to explain it in the second and third games. And, but it, it, I really thought it um, didn't live up to the, the promise of, I don't know. I think it was surprising when it first came out and going back to it, not having the, the effect of the, and I think it was in my game of the years list when it first came out. So I really, really liked it. Um, but not having the benefit of that uh, uh, surprise uh, made it, uh, made me only see the uh, negative aspects of it. So I was, I still finished it, but it was like, okay, mustache twirling villain. Like it's so Japanese uh, the bad version of a Japanese anime. Mm. Um, I, I was disappointing. That's so interesting. But, I love I love yeah. hearing your 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 turn. That is so wild. 
Yeah. It's, I, I was if you surprised had just myself. powered through and finished the game, you would never have never have felt that. You just would have <laughs> exactly. like Exactly. <laughs> and and then I I followed it up with Tales of Arise, which I also played for, you know, 10 15 hours and uh, stopped playing and went back to and was kind of, ooh, you know, maybe I'm not I I I I'm not going to like it either and turns out I actually enjoyed very much the the beginning story-wise is a little bit of a caricature as well but then as you go on through the story uh it expands it's like uh uh the the themes it's exploring a little bit it's not like a a, an award-winning novel or anything and it's still very much anime like uh, Japanese. I love Japan. I've lived in Japan. I speak Japanese, so I'm not like being Japan. Japan sucks, but there are aspects of it. Um, like you know, the female characters are very stereotypical, and even the badass ones are like have to be mom figures or clueless uh, 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 little girls, essentially, or like the French maid type person. Anyway, it it bothered me a little bit in that w- in that way. But the game itself is super fun. Uh, the gameplay it's very simple. It knows what it is. The gameplay is uh, when you get the hang of it. It's not easy, but when you get the hang of it, is very enjoyable. Carries through carries you through uh, uh, from uh, combat to combat. And yeah, it just works. I haven't finished it yet, so maybe it will also fall flat at the end. Um, <laughs> but I've really been enjoying Tales of Arise, and I'm like on at least I have one good game in my Japanese JRPG or actually their action games um, bend of the summer. So really liking Tales of Arise. Awesome, very cool. Anything else? And then, yeah, just very quickly, Overwatch Two the beta. I I don't think you've talked about it much. Have not, but no. Uh, it's, you know, uh, the criticism uh, of the Overwatch 2 beta, which is only the PvP part. Um, and by the way, I used to work at Blizzard. So Blizzard, Alan, so grain of salt, all of that. Mm-hmm. And being a Blizzard, Alan, is, is complicated uh, psychologically and emotionally. I for many feel reasons. that deeply yeah. in my bones. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I loved Overwatch 1. I've spent hundreds and hundreds of hours on Overwatch 1. Um, and Overwatch 2, everyone's saying, oh, you know, the PvP part is, at least, is really just Overwatch 1.5. And it is. Uh, you know, it, it is probably what the game would have been if they didn't stop updating it two years ago. It's just right. what the game would be now. Yeah. So it's not a a uh, a very different experience than you what you had when you you know that when you remember from Overwatch One, and even more so if you didn't play it a lot because you don't you won't see the nuances. That being said, um, whenever I had twenty minutes or half an hour. I would gravit not I would gravitate not towards Neon White, which is awesome, or Power Wash Simulator or Final Fantasy or Tales of Arise. I would want to play Overwatch too. And that, that those hooks, again, I'm very much into Overwatch. So it has those hooks and it managed to hook them back into me um in a in a very effective way and the games were super fun even though it's a limited sample of what the the game is going to be um i'm i'm i i noticed 
that that was the game that I wanted to play more than all the others, which I think are awesome. Yeah. And I think a lot of people felt the same way after being like, oh, well, you know, it's Overwatch. I think there's a chance for Blizzard to bring this game back uh, because it's just it's just such a good game. And, and such it's a free power. now. Free. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, yeah. I think that's a big deal. And that, that's what the two stands for in my mind. It's yeah. Overwatch free. And I think, uh, not three, free. <laughs> and <laughs> I think I think it's going to be a big deal. I think it really will. I think yeah. it's a very interesting, and again, I also am Blizzard alumni, so take the grain of salt. Um, the that's interesting about the criticisms of Overwatch to the PvP mode being it's like the people saying, "Oh, it's so similar to, to Overwatch One. It's Overwatch One point five, blah blah blah." People can correct me if I'm wrong, but I always thought that when they announced that they were making it, that they were like, "We're going to keep like the competitive mode going." as part of Overwatch 2. And so to me, immediately, I'm like, yeah, that means it's basically the same game with like like a huge balance changes is the way that I think about it. And I didn't know anything about the game even when I worked there. I didn't know, I don't know about it since I've left. So I don't have any insider information on it at all. But when people were like shocked that they're like, well, it's, it's still still Overwatch. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, what do you think keeping the competitive scene going means? If you'd completely change the game, you're not keeping it going. You're introducing a different competitive scene. right? And so I guess I always interpreted that as the game this part of the game would feel very similar to how it has felt with new changes, new characters, new maps or whatever. Um, and so I was actually very su- surprised that that was the main fee. I guess I shouldn't be that surprised, but I still was. The, the thing is, it, it was extremely convoluted because they were going to keep Overwatch 1 going. And so Overwatch 2 would be updates to PvP and a PvE mode, which that we haven't seen yet. And that's probably the bigger thing mm-hmm. about Overwatch 2. But they would have a PvP aspect of Overwatch 2, and they were going to keep Overwatch 1 going and add all of the updates from Overwatch 2 PvP into Overwatch 1, meaning that they were essentially PvP Mm. was going to stay Overwatch 1 PvP. It was so weirdly put together (laughs) as a, like, they could have made it uh, into a separate PvE uh, game and sold it, and it would have been, and that would have, anyway... Very complicated, but it is not surprising that Overwatch 2 is so similar, the PvP aspect to Overwatch Mm -hmm. 1. The one thing I will say is after two years, I think we are, we, we should have, we could have expected more than three heroes, which is what we're going to get eventually when the game comes out in October. Uh, and that's a little bit, uh, uh, you know, that's not a lot of, of, changing to introduce to a game Mm -hmm. when you've waited two years. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Well, I, I think I think it's going to be interesting to see how the community reacts to that that game. Um, and and it's weird, you know, it's like Destiny. It's like the the two is the one that's going to last forever. <laughs> that's the ongoing yeah, one. Probably. Yeah, it's it's weird. I think they really have a chance to make it back into a big game. Maybe not, you know, the biggest, but it you can play a game or two for twenty minutes, and you can spend two hours in it, and it's incredibly compelling. Still, yeah. so we'll anything see. else on your playlist? Yeah, okay, I'll I'll do this one quickly. Uh Wild Rift is back on my rotation um because of that uh event Star Guardians that is the League of Legends slash uh Legends of Runeterra, I think. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's the other one, uh t- Team Fight Tactics. Anyway, they have those events and it is so cleverly done. First of all, they they create a lot I 
I'm guessing Lannis is very involved in this, a lot of animation for a lot of characters uh, for those events. But they have like these parallel universes of League of Legends, which every League of Legends player here in the audience is like, yes, of course, we know that. Sorry, I'm explaining <laughs> to the, the ones that aren't. But they have like these uh, Star Guardians, which are like magical girls, essentially, uh, environment where it's like almost a parallel universe in a Marvel uh, multiverse, uh, uh, you know, style. And they have like stories and uh, they're a, a full group of different heroes that live in that world with those different characteristics and looks. And they have like, they, they have project, which is a cyberpunk type thing. So you see a bunch of heroes that are reimagined in the cyberpunk setting. And they just do those events where the only point is to sell you skins. Uh, but it is in the environment of, of a free to play game a really well done and compelling way of attracting, interesting you in that game. And, mm-hmm. um, and they do such, I swear this is not, I didn't even know I was going to talk about <laughs> when I said Lana, <laughs> I would love for Lana to be on the show, but I know that Riot hired away a lot of Overwatch 2 uh, animators and I'm guessing Heroes of the Storm animators as well. And they use them so well. Like you're, I don't know if you remember from Overwatch 2, like the play of the game animations, Mm-hmm. We're, we're so cool seeing your character doing the cool thing in wild rift and uh league every time you see a character they're doing one of those animation sequences of like like you know two three seconds which makes you want to play that character it is so well used and added with that uh parallel universes kind of settings for these characters, it's it makes you want to stay in that game so much. And so I'm back playing Wild, Wild Rift because of that event. I'm having a lot of fun, even though I'm losing a lot. <laughs> so I got to give that one a shot. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Very, very cool. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. We do have parting gifts coming up, so stick around for those. But Patrick Beja, thank you for being here, sir. It's always fun to chat with you and, and hear about all the stuff that you've been playing, but tell folks where they can keep up with you and the things that you do online. I don't do much in English anymore. I really should start again, uh, but again, time <laughs> issues. But if you speak French, Le Rendez-vous Jeu is a podcast you might want to listen to. And the links to that are at uh, notpatrick.com. Very cool. Lana Bashinsky, what about you? Yeah. Uh, what do you got going on? Anything you want to plug? Uh, yeah, uh, if you want to just see me tweet about general nonsense and a lot of animation and video game related things, you can follow me at Latienai. That's L A T I E N I E. Uh, this upcoming Friday, the 29th, uh, through one of the companies that I run called Anim State. Um, we are doing the Anim State of the Industry survey results and then roundtable discussion with a group of game developers. So we did a big survey that polls uh, professionals in the game industry, specifically uh, in the animation uh, and technical animation engineering side of things, from anything anywhere to uh, basically their feelings on the industry, from what's like a, the main reasons that you uh, like a job, what's the reason like what's your pay what's your lifestyle like and so we get all this data and we have a professional data scientist um who has 
poured through it all and found some interesting connections. And we're going to review those live this Friday uh, on twitch.tv slash anumstate. And then it's going to be followed up with a Q&A with our data, data scientist and then a roundtable discussion with a couple awesome game developers. So um, if you're at all interested in that kind of thing, you should come check it out. That sounds really cool. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Canada, which is spelled with two N's and one T. And I've got other shows, including uh, we just did the 700th episode of We Have Concerns. Really proud uh, of that show. It's award-winning. It's an award-winning science and comedy show. And uh, we just did our 700th episode, which just came out. Um, you can find We Have Concerns wherever you get podcasts. Uh, the website is a little borked right now, so don't go to wehaveconcerns.com to look for the 700th episode, although I think it might be there. I don't know. We're working on it. We're trying to fix it, but you can get it wherever you get podcasts, and you don't uh, you don't have to listen to any of the previous 699 episodes, but the 700th episode is about little creatures that uh, come out of your face at night and then uh, have sex with each other on your face. <laughs> so if that doesn't appeal to you, yeah, the podcast is probably not for you, but <laughs> it's very funny and fun, uh, and I highly recommend it. Uh, we have concerns is what is it is called. I also do the film cast, uh, and uh, we talk about movies and TV shows there. You can find the film cast wherever you get podcasts as well. And I'm back doing the fan-controlled show, which is built around fan-controlled sports entertainment. They just announced basketball as the next fan-controlled sport. Uh, we're building up to that, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, in the meantime, uh, while the sports are not going, uh, it's a goofy, fun show with a bunch of fun people. Uh, and you can find it on Twitch, twitch.tv slash FCF. But it is also uh, now a podcast available on YouTube, all kinds of stuff. So it's fan-controlled show, uh, good times there. All right, let's wrap the show up with our parting gifts. Hey, give us a suggestion. Patrick, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? Yes, I will second the recommendation you gave, I think, last week for players. Yeah. The show, it's on Paramount Plus, I believe. Mm -hmm. It's so good. So good. It's, so I mean, good. it's, it's really, okay, it's really good, but it's so good for us because we're gamers. And as you said, they, they get it right. Um, the, the thing I will say they get it right because they also make fun of us in a way that is like, you know how you're, when you're not part of a group, you can make a joke and it's really distasteful because you're not part of that group. But if you are, then it's okay to make that joke. Mm. They do that a bunch of times, but it's, they do it well. And they, it's, it's very much acceptable because I think of them as people who understand that culture and yeah. i think of them as gamers i get it and it's funny and it's emotional and it's well written it's very yeah. clever anyway players really good so good. um so good the way of kings is my actual parting gift uh the uh -oh. novel the the, <laughs> fi the final fantasy the fantasy novel uh, from uh, Brandon Sanderson. I always say Brian Sanderson. Um, it's oh. like gigantic. I listen as an audiobook and it's 40 hours or something. Um, and it's one of those heroic fantasy uh, uh, settings where you know that the writer has all of it figured out, like the, the whole world uh, in it before he starts writing. 
And in many of those, in, in most of those, I think, it's really tedious because it's like, yeah, but in my world, the elves have pointy ears that are like five centimeters longer than in <laughs> other heroes. And it's like those ridiculous things. In this one, it's very relatable because it's essentially medieval, but it has a lot of small things that are interesting that will intrigue you. It's a slow burn, but once you get into it, you can't stop reading. And the end, I will say that, of that volume is extremely satisfying. I think it it all leads up to things that will not blow your mind, but that that are that will make you think, okay, I'm happy I got to the end. I'm midway through the second book now. It's the Stormlight uh, Archive series. Midway through the second one, it's really good as well. I can't stop listening um, whenever I have time. So would, The Way of Kings. I would love to know when you get to the end of the fourth book, uh, if it, if you go full Final Fantasy VII on it. That's all I want to know. Lana has some very strong... Is that something you would expect? Should I be afraid now? No, I think most people... You know, I think... Was it last Wednesday? I think we talked most of that whole paid DLC of me just ranting about my conflicting feelings about Brandon Sanderson, specifically in The Way of Kings, and specifically the audiobook. So I will be... I would love... Oh, my God. Love. No, you, okay. I've got to go back and listen to it. <laughs> yeah, it's, do you spoil uh, anything after the way of kings? Or I don't know. No, if we, we don't talk any plot anything. Stuff, I don't think. Just talk about Brandon okay. Sanderson as a writer. But the spoiler for you is that I'm. I always say that I I hate reading the book, but I love thinking about it later because I think his okay. worlds are great. I'm not ranting about it again. You can listen to the show, but I hope <laughs> yeah, you. I love that you're enjoying it. I, I would will. love to talk to you more about it uh, when you get through all four. Here's okay. where we all agree. Really the Way of Kings, the first book, is phenomenal. Great. It's phenomenal. great. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so you like the first one. Okay. Phenomenal. Then. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Highly recommend. Definitely. Uh, <laughs> I'm scared now. I, should I stop? Like, <laughs> no. I shouldn't no. have said anything. <laughs> my, but no. you started telling your – you're saying your um, – parting gift and then jeff goes uh-oh <laughs> like i have to mute myself i'm cackling over here oh, yeah gosh. we literally did an hour on brandon sanderson on the, on the show. oh my god okay, lena has feelings. i'm scared she has feelings yeah uh lena what is your parting gift uh my parting gift i also mentioned in like one second like right at the end of one of the paid dlcs and it's actually a service that i i don't use but Jeff, I think you would use it. And I think many uh, people listening to the show would also like it. Uh, it's called Backlogged. Jeff uh, Jeff B., my, my uh, fiancé, he uses it. It is a place, much like Goodreads, I think, where you can go in and uh, write small reviews for the video games that you've played. And so I think it's a really great way to like have like a sort of a catalog of the things you've played so that when somebody's like, oh, have you played this game? What did you think about it? Jeff, for example, you might go, I I think no, but let me check my backlog. And then you can go see the, your review that you wrote about it. Or somebody can just link it to you later. Um, but Jeff Bodine uses it all the time. Um, and he loves it as a service. And it's something that I think I'm going to start doing as well. Just as sort of like, you know, my own diary of the things that I have played. Um Again, very much like Goodreads, you can sort of have your own star system for however you, like out of five stars and whatever that means to you, and write a little blurb about what you thought about the game. Um, it's called Backlogged, B-A-C-K-L-O-G-G-D.com. Um, it's great. It's a cool place. Yeah, it's like, uh, I think uh, folks use um, Letterboxd for the for movies. It's like that, it's like that for mm-hmm. movies too, right? Yeah. 
I, I don't use any of them, but maybe I should. I mean, I, I do use Goodreads, but I uh, I should get into both of those. And it would I would be fooled by myself less, as you pointed out. Um, <laughs> my parting gift uh, is something I got for Father's Day uh, last year. My wife gave me for Father's Day. It's, it's not super inexpensive, but I have found it to be a very, very cool. It is a solo stove. Uh, this is a very specific brand that I'm recommending. They are not a sponsor, uh, although I would welcome it if you're listening solo. Um, <laughs> these are uh, little uh, little bonfire type contraptions um, that uh, we, this last weekend, we had uh, what we call um, driveway dinner, where we put uh, bring a table out in the front uh, driveway of our house. Uh, we live in a tiny little cul-de-sac and we invite people over and uh, have some food and then uh, roast uh, marshmallows and do s'mores on our solo stove, which has been a really cool thing. And th- what's awesome about it is how compact, how easy it is uh, to um, to set up and, and take down, to move it wherever it needs to be moved. Uh, and they advertise it as being smokeless, which in my experience, isn't 100% true, but is enough true that it's much better than the sort of open air uh, little bonfire or, or what's the word? Um, you know, like not, fire pit, I guess is what it is. Mm-hmm. Those, those metal fire pits that you can get. Um, this is also metal, but it, it, it's, it's, it has a cool shape. It looks almost like a, like a bullet or something. It, it, it's, a, it's a cylinder. And uh, – have much less smoke than I would expect from a regular bonfire and uh, easy to pick up and move, easy to store, easy to start a fire and put a fire out. It's, it's uh, been really cool and it's been a, a great addition to our summertime fun. So uh, I'm recommending the solo stove. I like it. We also got a listener suggested parting gift. This comes to us at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. Uh, Bob wrote in and said at the end of every show, I find myself scrambling for my note-taking app to write down whatever awesome parting gifts I'm about to hear. Just this week, I ran across a brand new app that solves this problem for me. Sofa, the downtime organizer. It's super neat. It helps you keep track of books, games, movies, TV shows, music, and anything else you want to check out. It's beautiful, easy to use, and the core features are free to use. And what makes it even cooler is that it's built by a solo developer and is clearly a labor of love. So listeners can feel good paying for the upgrade. Sofa, the downtime, excuse me, downtime organizer. Uh, and that is uh, at sofahq.com, S-O-F-A-H-Q.com. That comes from longtime listener, Bob. Thanks, Bob. Uh, I am terrible about <laughs> a- uh, apps for note-taking. I use the stupid notepad app in my iPhone. Like an idiot. <laughs> like an idiot. It's the like, stupidest thing. I'm like, even Google Drive is right there. I know. I use this horrible note. I love this. You can use like, a, I definitely have like a little note going all the time for like, oh, this one's books. This one's mm-hmm. games. And but they like all sort of scatter. It's like horribly organized, that thing. Uh, so I love this. I love, uh, you know, sofa on the front end. What do I want to watch? Backlogged on the back end for what I did use. Love it. Very cool. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Oh, if you want to have your parting gift on the show, send it to us, dlcfeedback at gmail.com is where you send those. We appreciate it, Bob. Thank you for sending yours. Uh, but that's going to do it for this episode. Thanks again to Patrick Beja and Lana Bashinsky for hanging out with me. Thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for those awesome, uh, those awesome bumpers. Thanks to our 
theme song composers, White Cube, which is Jason Sherry and T. Ryan Arnold. Uh, I also need to take a second and thank our patrons, uh, all of our patrons at DLC Pod, uh, patreon.com slash DLC Pod. Uh, really appreciate you. But our hype train patrons, ooh, they get a shout out by name, which I will do right now. It's time for me to thank our hype train patrons who help make this show, paid DLC, the video versions, and also, yes, this very show, the main DLC show, so possible. Thank you to each and every one of you. Thank you, Jason Novak, Octavian Ratziu, Christian Bravery, Jad, Peter Olberg, Michael Buck, Mike Lombardo, the Spice Man Silencer, Albert Verheel de Dios, Jonathan, Spice Man Forever, Shep Lafur, Stu Goss. Kevin Brazel, Ben, Dan Palmino, Malcolm King, Mark Gowland, Jonathan Putney, Will with 1L Harris, Chris Zacharias, Jonathan Talbert, Scooby Diesel, Adam Demby, Sasan, Dan Flanagan, Anthony Goulos, Andy Joyce, Matt Valdez, John Sisko, Taylor Wigert, Josh Peake, Nick Strauss-Klein, Michael Stadler, Jackson, Travis, Soren Silk, yeah, thank you for that parting gift this week as well. Awesome. Big fan of the library here. Kids and I love it, love it, love it. Uh, comedy, 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 drama, Bob Odekirk's book. Got that at my local library. Zachary White, Nate, Jenny, Scott Hughes, Jimmy Radcliffe, Mitchell Ness, Jeff Luxack, Matt Bradley, Victor Venezuela, Cheesy Bob, Hank Patton, Rob Rixman, Riley Knox, Kyle Starr, Michael S., Relentless Rex, Curtis from Louisville, comedian Aaron Trahan. Thanks so much. All right. That's it for this episode of DLC. We'll talk to you next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.